Hey everybody, welcome to the Plain Glass Podcast, where we discuss worship leadership, church music, and a myriad of other stuff. My name's Jay. And my name's Chris. Today we're going to talk about the bivocational worship leader. Many of us can relate to this. We work multiple jobs. It's hard to find a full-time position. Maybe you're in a full-time position and you have experience with this in the past. We want to think about this and talk about it together. Before we dive into the topic of the day, though, we're going to take a few minutes to recap last Sunday. You ready, Chris? Let's go. So we're going to talk about maybe a, our most recent Sunday or a recent Sunday and talk about a high and low uh, as worship leaders. So Chris, how about you just start us out? Tell, tell me a little bit about how your last Sunday went. Sure. I actually have to be careful here because my wife ever listens to this podcast. Oh, no. She might. I don't know if she'll make it this far. You know, Episode four? Yeah. So we're probably okay. I think most of our friends and family will make it halfway through the first one. <laughs> we're safe yeah. from there. So. Yeah, we're fine. No, this won't be uh, deprecating <laughs> or incriminating at all, but uh, this is just a reality of doing ministry. My wife takes care of our children every Sunday. She brings them to church alone, does that. I think many of us deal with that. And you know, it's and, part of our role, our ministry. And she understands that that's a part of it. And there are times when it's just really hard. Yeah. And I think it's hard every day, but there are weeks where we just hate it. We hate that aspect of what I do, that our family's having to sacrifice being together all the time when it comes to worship. So maybe you can relate to that too, Jay. I'm sure you can. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, we try to have these weekends where she's able to be away. And so this was one of those weekends mm-hmm. where she was away, my wife was away. She was actually back for Sunday because we both sang in the adult choir together on nice. Sunday. Yeah, you know, it was a lot of fun. But everything leading up to that weekend was me, solo dad, and I enjoy it. I really enjoy being with my children, and I don't stress out about it necessarily. It's not something that is super difficult for me. I really enjoy being a dad. Mm-hmm. But I realized that my rhythms and my practices of how I get ready and how I prepare mentally, spiritually, emotionally for Sunday morning, all that is just thrown out when you're a single parent. And maybe there could be somebody listening that's like, well, I'm a single parent. I do it every week. So grow up. I'm used to having my spouse handle our family yeah, so that I can come in and do what I do. And I, and I really don't take it for granted. This was one of those weekends where I realized realized that I don't take that for granted because it was difficult for me to come in on Sunday morning and really feel prepared even though I had done all of that work ahead of time so that I was prepped and ready Mm -hmm. I still entered into Sunday not feeling as ready as I normally do and so I struggled through it a little bit and I don't necessarily have a lot of specifics it was a pretty full one we're in Advent and there's a lot going on we had an adult choir performing that I was also a part of and that's not the norm for our church we don't do choirs very yeah. often. Yeah. So uh, lots of different pieces. I was leading from the keyboard, which I also very rarely do. Yeah. And I also was trying in-ear monitors. Oh, that's right. For the first time. Yeah. I've used them before a few times, but I've never used them in our space. I've never led worship with them. So all that to say, Good Sunday was challenging, and uh, but I'm really glad that my wife got to go and spend some time with some friends out of town. That's awesome. And be refreshed. So I, I chalk those weeks up to they're going to be hard anyway because of that. Mm-hmm. And it could be a lot worse. You know, I could I could be alone all the time or yeah. whatever. So yeah. all in all, positive but pretty difficult. Yeah. How about you? 
Yeah, so this week was a little bit of a roller coaster. We had a special Christmas service on Friday before the Sunday service, so that added a couple rehearsals additional to the week of prepping. I had intended to have a Thursday rehearsal for Sunday, which I typically just skip that Thursday rehearsal during the Christmas service kind of prep week. Because you're already doing so much, you don't want to ask well more people or for you well i've actually used that as a slot for rehearsing for the christmas service but this year i didn't i decided not to so i kept it as a a, for the sunday morning service but then it's like six o'clock rehearsal starts at 6 30 i get a call from my wife our four-year-old we thought she may have broken her leg at the park so she said hey i can have a couple people some friends of ours from our small group at church come they've said they can come and and watch the kids so i can take her to the er because i don't want you to have to cancel rehearsal and i said no i'm gonna i'm gonna cancel rehearsal i knew i could like it would be fine if i didn't cancel rehearsal but i thought to my i i sat there and thought for a moment i i thought what would be what would mean more in this situation to my family in the long run yeah uh, just because I can have rehearsal, it probably I probably shouldn't have rehearsal. I should probably be there as dad, mm-hmm. um, even if, even though everything's taken care of. So, so I chose to cancel rehearsal. Good call. But it made Sunday a little more crazy because I asked the band to come in 30 minutes early. Mm-hmm. And so we practiced through some songs. I have some newer members on the team that are still trying to kind of find their footing. Feel and, it out. And feel it out. But they did great. The, the band did great. Everything came through well I just felt a little bit frustrated and frazzled because of time time tends to get me if there's anything that stresses me out it's time and deadline mm-hmm. and like yeah knowing that you've got I only have so much clock. time yes yeah. yeah I can't yeah so like we get to a point in rehearsal where I have to just say we gotta stop we're done we've lost we've lost uh, any more time to prepare so and so those moments you're like i even told the band i said you know what even in this moment where we wish we could rehearse more we know god's going to be present here anyway yeah and he's going to use what we have to offer this morning to make much of himself and we can be confident in that and not in our own strength spoiler alert he did it didn't he he did <laughs> he did <laughs> so that was good it was a long day sunday was a long day we had a I took the band from Friday night out to lunch mm-hmm. as a way to thank them and just appreciate them. And we kind of did a kind of a recap of how the process went getting to that. You, Chris, got to go to the service. So I got to share mm-hmm. some of your comments with them and encourage them. So that was cool. And then uh, we had a member meeting afterwards. So we went back and did a member meeting. Wow. Uh, we only have like three of those a year, I think. So that happened to be the Sunday. And then uh, went home to clean up the house to get it ready for a community group and have a community group that night. So it was a marathon of a Sunday and I never went back to it, but it turns out my, my daughter did break her leg. So she now has a cast. So that that's another thing that we had to deal with on Sunday is she's in a cast for like three weeks. She's four years old. So that's hard on mom too. (laughs) It's very hard. And you talk about, she has to bring the kids and get them ready and stuff every week. And so she had to do that. Well, I'm so glad you canceled rehearsal to go to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a no-brainer, but sometimes in the moment it's hard to see it as the right call, and yeah. it does feel like a real question, what do I do here? Yeah. But I, I hope it was obvious after the fact that just that was the right decision to make, whether or not that had an impact on your Sunday. Yeah. That was worthwhile. Yeah. I felt like that was the best thing to do. The band will be fine. Mm-hmm. 
but my daughter will remember that I was sitting there with her in the yeah. emergency room. It's pretty important to show, I think, to show our family that church doesn't come before them because it can functionally look and feel like church does, or yeah. at least that it is as important. Right. And, you know, those values and priorities are, you can't just talk about it. You have to show them because they don't, I right. mean, mine can't focus to listen. They're so little. They can't, you know, I can't give them a sermon like, right. <laughs> about why this matters. And, you know, it, they, they just see what they see. And so that presence is vital. Yeah. And, and I'm really glad you did it. I appreciate that. Cause I feel like there's plenty of times where I don't get that right. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for the encouraging word on that. Sure. I think that about wraps it up for, for me anyway. Okay. So this uh, week we're talking about bivocational ministry. And the reason we're talking about this is because we really feel, as Chris and I have been thinking about topics for this podcast, that it's good to address that role as it is very prevalent in many worship leaders' lives. You may see a lot of worship leaders um, in videos, at conferences, or in in other aspects where those guys are all full time. So it makes you feel like you're the only, maybe you're the only one who's doing this part time. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not the case at all. The majority of worship leaders out there are, are as far as we understand it, are serving part time and having to to do other stuff on the side. So we want to talk about that. So in prepping for this episode, I was trying to see if there were any stats on this stuff, like if Lifeway Research did something or I don't know, anybody else. And I could not find anything. Hmm. It's not being covered. What is being covered, and this is reasonable, I think it makes sense, is um, pastoral ministry. And what they found, uh, I found a study published in, this sounds very uncredible. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the word to be using. Incredible. In, not incredible. Faithcommunitiestoday.org. Oh man. <laughs> .org though. .org. <laughs> Not, not dot. So take, so take it, take it uh, as you will. But they did a study and found that fewer than two thirds of churches in the United States have full time pastor, uh, according to a 2015 survey. If you look at that, if you think about that, you have to think below that and think, okay, so if they don't have a full time pastor, surely there's not going to be a full time worship leader. Right. I think it's good to assess then, in light of that, if you're new in ministry or you're considering going into ministry, which we like to talk to that group in this podcast quite a bit. What are the challenges of being bivocational? Uh, what are the advantages of being bivocational and maybe what some things that we've learned in, in the times that we've been bivocational in our roles? What are some of the challenges that you've experienced, uh, when you were, when you were doing this? I can remember one of the inclinations that I had toward wanting to be full time. Yeah. I was part-time doing worship and I started attending weekly staff meetings. When I started to go to those meetings and sit around that table and work with everybody who is doing these various things and all coming together to serve the church and make the church kind of, you know, lubricating the joints and 
putting Sunday together and making it happen. I started to get really excited about it. I mm-hmm. loved that group of people. I loved that time. I yeah. loved, I was contributing to that conversation. For me, that's what that experience really shaped in me a desire. And I'm not sure if that was necessarily a challenge or if it was a, a challenge to the way that I had thought my life was going to go yeah. before that moment. So yeah. I went into it thinking, well, part time is probably the only way. I never thought of ministry as something that I wanted to pursue mm. until I was called into it mm. by people outside saying, we see this in you. We think you should do it. Mm. I was just a volunteer. And so the process of me going from part time to full time, some of that was there was a real desire in me that I started to ask um, and not just, Hey, give me a job, give me a job, but ask of myself, well, what is it about this that I really, that really interests me and in, that I'm drawn to? What is God waking up in me? What kind of passion is he giving me for this? Does it mean that I'm being called into full-time ministry? Um, and, and I think that that I had to wrestle with that because not everyone is necessarily cut out for ministry not everyone is being called into full-time ministry. Right. Right. So, um, but it's just kind of an initial thought. Yeah. I, the challenge for me, if you're talking about inclination towards full-time ministry, I think I've had issues with contentment in the now Mm -hmm. because I do, I, I have felt a call towards full-time ministry, but knowing that at this moment, perhaps the church can't, doesn't have the need for it, doesn't have the finances for it, but this is where God's called me to be. So learning to be content with that, uh, but also learning to celebrate that. And what are the good things in why I'm part-time right now? Mm -hmm. The other thing too is I've had an issue with basing my value as a minister on whether or not I'm part-time or full-time. I grew up in a church where uh, the whole ministerial staff were all full-time. I have family who have all been in full-time ministry. Uh, and then here I am, um, I'm 32 now and, um, I've been in part-time ministry for the last four years. And so there's a part of me, I don't know if listeners have dealt with this at all or not. I'm, I'm thinking some people probably can identify with finding your worth and whether or not you're part-time or you're full-time and having to come to terms with your worth, not being tied up in one of those two statuses. Um, right. And that God uses you in both of those things effectively in different ways. That's something I've been working through in a challenge of not placing my value whether in whether or not I'm part-time or full-time. If we're talking practical challenges in the role, one thing that comes to mind is simply time management. Time management on, your, on my part. We talked in the episode about burnout. Uh, One of the issues that I had is wanting to do more and be more. I see the potential in my worship team, but I can't get them to that potential because I don't have the time. Yeah. You don't have the hours in the week. I don't have the hours in the week. And I'm working, I'm working full time at this other job and I'm working uh, 15 hours a week here or whatever. I only have 15 hours to be able to do what I need to do to get the worship team where they need to be. And there's only so far with 15 hours that you can go and and that's okay. So time management is a big challenge when you're in bivocational ministry. I've, I've had to work through that and I've had to work through that with balancing family life. I was going to ask you your thoughts on that, but you actually didn't have a family when you were doing it Yeah, at that time. No, I didn't. But there are always going to be other things that are important in your life. And I think there's a 
there's an special there's a special difficulty for uh, people in ministry. I know that you know lots of people would say I work hard and I work lots and lots of hours. There's something that I've experienced because I've worked in ministry and outside of ministry. Life and work in ministry can be all consuming mm-hmm. in ways that my job in the for profit sector was not, even though I worked a lot. Right. There are aspects of what we do that just don't end. And we can also, you know, just like your phone is always there and there might be somebody calling or emailing or texting. And I know lots of jobs have that, but there's usually kind of a disconnect, like I can turn it off. For whatever reason, my experience in ministry has been, I don't feel like I could turn it off. You know, and I, and I've really, I've wrestled with that a lot. So, um, I wonder, I wonder if that's ministry or your personal passion for it. Probably. And they're intertwined, I think. I mean, that for you, yeah. Because I think there's guys, there's guys who are in different vocations that are passionate about it. And I think would say, and they don't put it down. Maybe you're a workaholic. I mean, maybe that's just who you are. Like, I love what I do and I don't want to stop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But you're you're going to have whatever your values are, whatever is important to you. There's always going to be things competing for your time, you yeah. know. So, but with a family, uh, I can imagine that's particularly challenging because a family, the requirements and demands of a family are unique in that these are people that are going to demand and require of you certain things yes. at certain times and you may or may not know when that's coming. Yes. You know. So there might be the I have a practice but I also have a child potentially with a broken leg and that's new. I didn't have that when it was just me. Right. And maybe I was dating, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have had something like that where there would have been this real question of what do I do? Yeah. So it is unique. I would add to that as I'm thinking through this, I've been very fortunate that the church and the leadership of the church has also been very conscientious of my time. I'm thankful for that. The pastors have never wanted to, They've wanted to help me think through how much I'm working and where where the line is mm-hmm. and creating boundaries uh, so that I don't just neglect family or self-care like yeah. we talked about, those things. And being bivocational, while, that's, while that self-care and boundaries and balancing family life is important no matter whether you're part-time or full-time, mm-hmm. I think it just becomes increasingly important if you're bivocational and, and part-time that you don't let your ministry role just totally take over the rest of your life outside of that full-time job that you're doing or that other part-time job that you're doing because it very much can. The reality is if it's what you're passionate about, if that's the thing you're wanting to do mm-hmm. and your day job is just what you're doing, maybe you still maybe you still enjoy it. I mean, you're trying to do a good job. Right. So we want to do our best. and um, It doesn't mean you have to hate your other job. No, not at all. But if your passion and what you feel very clear calling toward is ministry, then yes, you're going to run the risk of you want to put more time in than what you're technically paid for. And frankly, you're happy to do it. Yes. I mean, most of the time you're just, you'll do it with joy. Right. That is one of the things that'll kind of press you into really being careful about your the boundaries. That's why it's important to set boundaries in ministry. When we talked about burnout in another episode. We mentioned something about boundaries, but they're really important because sometimes we don't realize until it's too late. Yes. And so I can definitely see that. I think it's good to set that up with your the leadership above you that they help hold you accountable for your time because you don't want to mm-hmm. exhaust yourself yep. or neglect your family or 
other duties, other responsibilities that you have just because you really enjoy Mm -hmm. what you're doing here. You only have so much time. And if you have a family, your spouse can actually be the best partner for that. It's true, yeah. I mean, let your spouse hold you accountable. And I would say even be just very, try to be as honest as you can about what are the challenges and the struggles. And And don't get upset. Yeah, just work together. Yeah. And try to figure it out. If you're not, if you're single and maybe you're young, maybe you're in the position of, I'm doing two jobs, but I'm really passionate about this and I'm building something. I think for a season of time, it's okay to work a little bit of extra. You know, I worked way more hours than I was paid for early on. I learned a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, I experienced a lot and I'm really grateful for that time. And I had the margin to do it. I don't regret that. Sure. You know, on the other hand, I think I, I pushed, you had less, you had less responsibilities, right? But I also pushed myself a little bit too hard. And so I, I experienced some of the negative aspects of that. I think there's a balance that I didn't strike, but I wouldn't go back and just say, I'm going to have these crazy boundaries and borders that are like a fortress built around my personal time. Yeah. I just think that there's something, but it's being intentional about it. Yeah. I think one of the other challenges that you might get, it just depends on the situation, honestly, but you might feel a split, a split loyalty between your responsibilities with your church and your responsibilities with your other job mm-hmm. and learning how to navigate those can be a challenge. I'm thankful in the job that I have uh, outside of our church that the leaders of that organization have been very flexible with the church position as well. The church being flexible when needed to mm-hmm. for the position outside of the church. That's a huge blessing. It is. And I think it's one that you have to, you have to consider closely. If that's not the case, it can be very difficult to serve your church. How did you get to that place where your boss or the supervisors that you have in your job outside of the church understood and were willing and, you know, able to be flexible? What happened there? Well, we moved to the city for the part-time position at the church. Yeah. I think being upfront about that helped them understand where my priorities were. That it's not that my job outside of the church isn't a high priority, but I have other priorities that are important to me that they also need to, to respect and, and, and care yeah. about. So being upfront from the beginning was very helpful. Um, I'm trying to think, Oh, the other thing is being really good at your job outside of your church will pay uh, increasing dividends the longer you're there. So when you do have to go to them and say, hey, I have this thing with my church that I need to take care of and I need to, I don't know, move my hours around so that I can make this happen. They're going to be much more likely to be flexible with you because you get your job done and you do it well. Yeah. So So this is just one of the natural benefits of, you know, doing your best to the glory of God. Yeah. And then we experience some of the benefits of that of just simple obedience. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's a really, this is a helpful reminder. I think for anybody who's starting or has entered into this dual thing and they're thinking about it right now, how do I make this work? This is really helpful. Yeah. It's really helpful to think about the beginning of that relationship. Yes. Especially with your boss. Not everybody's going to have that experience. Right. But you, you know, being honest, I mean, everybody knows this, but you got to be honest in your interview. Yeah. You really do. You don't yeah. want them to find out later who you really are. You know, like, yeah. wow, you really convinced us that you were right for this. Um, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's cool that you did that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I tried to be as upfront as possible.
So we've thought about the disadvantages. I think they're obvious. A lot of them are obvious. And if I'm if I'm thinking as a listener who's in this position, I'm going, yeah, all these things are challenges. What are some of the advantages? There must be advantages to bivocational ministry. Yeah, as I think through that, one of the things that come to my mind, I went in my current in my situation, I went from a church where I was full time and it didn't go well. It didn't end very well. And I was quite af- actually kind of afraid to take another full-time position somewhere. Hmm. The responsibility, the pressure, all that kind of stuff. And so while I had been looking for full-time positions, I ended up taking this one even though it was part-time and actually really enjoying some of the freedom of the lack of responsibility, if you will, that comes with not being a full-time minister. Yeah. That's one major advantage is uh, at the end of the day, there's less pressure on you because you only have so much time. You're you're part-time. I think financially, your well-being is not completely wrapped up in your church position. Yeah. So if something were to happen to your church or your relationship with the church were to change drastically and suddenly in in a full-time position that can be really scary for your livelihood. Mm -hmm. But being part-time, it's not as scary, I think, because you have this other job. Yeah. You're insulated from some of that in a way that, for example, full-time pastor is not. And you can lead worship out of a, a sense of freedom, knowing that I'm not pressured by the fact that I'm my entire income is I'm count at least counting on me you know, yeah. doing well and being, being accepted here. Yeah. Like, uh, that's a big advantage. I'm trying to think if there are any others. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. What well, I actually lied earlier when I said I'm not bivocational because I am, I'm a teacher too. Oh, yes, that's true. So, yeah. but uh, on the I've, flip side, you, your majority is here, but yeah, I'm, I work full time for the church and I'm a part-time teacher. Yeah. So, uh, and that's relatively new. I'm in my second year. Yeah. So I, a few years ago, had entered, you know, kind of a season of, I've been doing this for a while. It's starting to feel a little bit like going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I wasn't in a place where that meant I was burning out. I was just in a place where I was being thoughtful and feeling a little bit restless. Um, and some of that's just, a, I guess, a temperament of a creative person. We talked initially about the role of the worship leader and how dealing with creative people can be tough. Sometimes <laughs> I'm tough to deal with to, to myself, yeah. right? So <laughs> this opportunity arose and it just seemed like it was the thing that I had been longing for and and hoping for. I just felt like the Lord had something else for me and I couldn't pinpoint it, but I had started to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at it as being open-minded to that maybe there's something else out there, but I didn't want to talk about it too much because I don't want people to think I'm leaving. It's not what I mean. Right. Um, and I don't know if this is forever, but for this period of time, it's been really refreshing for me and really encouraging. So I'm in a completely different environment one day a week. I'm interacting with completely different people one day a week. I'm getting to encounter all these different people. Working with children in particular is really, really encouraging and refreshing. Mm-hmm. I think if you're mm-hmm. if you're built like that, some people are like <laughs> right. completely drained by them. Please do not. I don't want to be in that. I <laughs> love being in the classroom That's with great. elementary children. I love it. And I would have never thought that that'd be the case. So having that experience of not just being here has mm-hmm. been really good. Well, I was going to say, when you're bivocational, you're going to be working with people outside of your church who aren't 
necessarily believers who aren't necessarily in that kind of culture. And it's an amazing way to preach the gospel in a way that's very natural. And then secondly, it's a great way to be able to really identify with your church members because you're working outside of the church. I mean, pastors can relate to, to their church members in a lot of different ways, but one way they can't do it is they're not working a quote-unquote regular job. Right, unless they're a part-time pastor like some of those churches right. that we discussed before. Exactly. It's unfortunate dualism mm-hmm. in our culture that this the, the, the separation between the sacred and the secular, mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist in reality, yeah. but we've somehow in our culture we've set that up that... I'm I am working my job outside of the church and you're working your job inside of the church but the reality is we're all working together for the glory of God. Right. Yeah, there's this notion that ministry stuff is the higher calling. Right. That's which the is spirit, nonsense. that's the super spiritual stuff. Yeah, it's nonsense. Right. But what it does it, when you're not working inside the church and you're also working outside the church. I think church members uh, can relate to you a little better yeah. um, in some ways. I was actually just thinking the same thing. I completely agree with that. Yeah, And that's something to be valued because you have perspective that will help you and equip you to lead more effectively. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, do you have any anything to say that would encourage, I don't know, encourage guys who are in the midst of being bivocational? How would you... What would you say to energize them? If you're working multiple jobs, one of them is leading worship and you have a passion and a heart for leading worship, I would say continue to do it. Continue to do your absolute best and work with what you have. Mm -hmm. Try to uh, set up healthy boundaries wherever possible. Learn how to say no to things, including to yourself. And just continue to refine your practice of leading worship and see what God has in store. Mm. So if, if it's your heart and you want it, ask him to open the door. So for me, you know, one example was it was a full-time job from a part-time position that Mm -hmm. can happen. It could be an open door somewhere else, Yeah, you know, or it could be that that's what you're going to do forever, but there could be a really good way to do that. Yeah. Um, especially with how easy it is to work from home these days and to, you know, telecommute. I think it's probably easier now than it has been historically because a lot of times you can work from home or you can work weird hours and most of it can be done on a computer. And so that kind of thing, you know, being flexible. But I think if it's a calling, God is going to make that apparent and he's going to open doors for you. And so we're not called to like figure out what his game is. He's revealed it very plainly in his words. So we're called to faithful steps, faithful acts of service one after the other. So that would be my encouragement. It's just wherever you are to be as faithful as you can and then be looking for his leading. Yeah. Kind of thinking out of my own experience, I would, I'm thinking about guys who are, maybe looking for a ministry position and they have multiple options. One, you know, some being full-time, some being part-time and they feel this difference between the two, like one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, my encouragement would be to recognize that and then uh, throw that in the trash. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> my own experience was like that when I was looking for a position before the one I was in, or I am in, I was looking for full-time positions and I was looking, I, I even, I interviewed with multiple churches 
And one of the things I experienced was I always felt with all of those churches, there was something when I left those interviews or those visits, there was going to be something I'd have to compromise about myself, whether it was my philosophy of worship, not necessarily theology, but that could be a thing, just cultural preferences. There was something that I didn't fit. I didn't fit completely. And I was going to have to fix something or change something about myself to fit that church. And it was a, but it was a full-time position, right? So maybe um, all of that's worth it. Maybe those sacrifices are worth it. That's what you're thinking. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe yeah. I can, if I, I might have to change myself, but it's full-time. And then I had a phone interview with the church I'm at, with the pastors. And I left that so energized and encouraged. I felt like, man, if this church was in my city where I am right now, I would just go to this church. If everything was, if everything's true about what these guys are talking about with this church, I would just want to be a part of this church. And it was that moment that I realized I would rather be part-time at a church that I just want to be a part of than be full-time at a church that I feel like I have to compromise something about myself in order to fit in Mm -hmm. to that culture. And I realized it's much more important to me to feel satisfied, completely satisfied in what I'm doing, even if it's part-time than to be full-time and not satisfied. Yeah. So I, I say all that to encourage listeners. If, if that's the, the boat that you're in to consider that when you're trying to think through positions and whether or not to take this full-time position, or maybe there's a part-time position over here to one, throw it in the trash that there's one's better than the other, but two, more importantly than whether or not it's full-time or part-time, is it a church that you just want to be a part of? I think that's a more important question to ask. And then if it's part-time, figure that out and learn to embrace the good in being part-time. If you have any thoughts or additional questions about working for the church, working outside of the church, in addition to a full-time or part-time ministry position in a church, we'd love to hear from you. If you have experience that you want to share questions that you want to ask, we'd love to address those as well. Please comment or send us an email at theplainglasspod at gmail.com. It's actually plain glass pod. Not the. I knew it. (laughs) Plain glass pod at gmail.com. Can't you just edit out the? No, I'm going to leave all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we, well, we, uh, we actually have one more segment. No, but we could have just used that and then recorded the segment, but now you have to cut all of this. No, I don't have to cut any. I don't have to cut any of it. I mean, I have to cut some of it. You're going to cut it all. Do you have a song? Uh, I don't, but let's look it up. So each week we like to take time to talk about a song uh, from CCLI's top 100 list. Uh, And this week we are going to look at the song, This Is Amazing Grace, made popular by Phil Wickham, written by Phil Wickham and Jeremy Riddle and Josh Farrow? Farrow? Why not? Firo? No, definitely not Firo. Faro, probably. Probably Faro or Faro. Josh, I'm so sorry if you're listening. Yeah, he's not. He can, you can comment or <laughs> email at us at playingglasspod. No, he's definitely not. So um, we're going to take a look at this song. We like, to, we like to weigh what is good about these songs, why we think they're so popular, and what's beneficial about them 
for our churches, that kind of stuff. So, uh, Chris, let's let's just answer this question. Mm-hmm. Have you have you done this song with your church before? Yeah, I I'm looking at it and trying to remember. I cannot remember if I've led this at our church. I know that I've done it for a chapel service at a school in town. Okay. So that's and I we did it a lot. Mm. And it's it's So that's why of, you're kind of blurred. Honestly, I would have to go back and check our records. I know we haven't done this in a long time. Um, yeah, the song's not new. Yeah, I've got a I've got a vague recollection of maybe doing it in our church and it not going particularly well for some reason. Yeah, this is twenty twelve. This song is six years old and it's number three right now on CCLI's top one hundred. Yeah. Well and that can happen. I mean either they get re released, you know, they're written and they're released on something else and then another artist. Well, honestly, I think it's not a bad thing that a six-year-old song is still at the top three. No, it's We not. don't want our churches singing. Like, we want to sit with songs for a while. Yeah. And not just constantly be doing new, 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 yeah. new. Most of the things that we do are hundreds of years old. I mean, most of the texts that, <laughs> we, Gregorian that we use are, well, no, but 19th century British hymns yeah. old to older. It was um, a joke. You didn't laugh, but it's fine. Well, chant doesn't really have words. Uh, the Gregorian chant wouldn't have anything that we would understand. But we could yeah. go to we could go back to that. Could go back to back it. to. I mean, it does have words. It just doesn't that would work for us. Right. We do a lot of Latin in our church. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Are you being serious? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you said, it's so. I know. Because <laughs> now I got you. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> we do it's best. Is, it, it's best if people wonder what's being said. Yeah. That's back that to reality. Back to reality. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I don't, remember. don't remember. What you about you? Remember. Yeah. We've done this a few times. I had a worship leader or a worship team member rather, uh, bring it to me as a suggestion. I'd heard it before, mm-hmm. but it wasn't one that I had heard and immediately was like, yes, we need to do that for our church. Sure. And so they brought it to me. I've let him lead it uh, a couple times and I think I've let it, uh, maybe once. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I didn't really teach to our church. I felt like, you know what, this is one that people are just going to know because it's popular. It's been on the radio, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And and our, it's been good. Yeah. I, yeah. I've never had a, it's never been a dud. Where right. Like you're, you're singing and you're looking out and nobody's engaged. Well, one of the things about this song that I think is really good is the dyna- the range. Uh, mm-hmm. The vocal range is not very broad. So a lot of contemporary worship songs. They like to take it up they the They start octave. low and yeah. then they jump the octave and it's like, get ready, I'm gonna, we're going to leave you cheap, behind. It's a cheap emotional trick. It is trick. a cheap trick, and but it also sounds great as long as the worship leader is a tenor, and I'm not a tenor. Yeah. So I sang tenor in our choir last week, oh. and it was really hard oh. because I'm not a tenor. <laughs> so then I was like, I can't sing these. This song, even though it's usually done pretty high, I would say, the range is not anything that's outside of reason for most people in the church. So I'll actually, um, for doing it with kids, I lowered it a little bit. And I think in the church I would do the same thing, but it's singable Mm -hmm. because it's not all over the place. Mm kind of camps out into the same range. Mm -hmm. Uh, what did you enjoy about it when you led it at the church? Like what, what made it something that was good? Uh, just the words, man. They ask questions and they answer them in each of the verses, emphasizing that the king of glory is the one who does these things. The king above all kings is the one who does these things. I think that's a creative way to sing truths. I mean, some songs do that, but not a lot of them. It's, it's not an overdone uh, way to write. So I really like that. Yeah. It's fresh. Well, and it and it's also 
it follows the patterns of some of the Psalms mm-hmm. too. And that's striking to me. It reads in some ways like a Psalm. It's not, I mean, some of these things are pulled from the Psalms, but it's not. And we're sitting here looking at the lyrics as we're talking about it. Yes. And so if you haven't taken a minute to either look at them or stop to listen to the song, go ahead and do it and come back to us. Um, but it's a call and response and the verses ask the question and they're talking about God in the third person. Mm-hmm. The chorus shifts and talks to him in the first person. Yeah. And which the Psalms, if you pay attention, that happens often Pretty in the often. Psalms sure. or, you know, a variation of that. Maybe it's God talking to us in the third person or, you know, but there's a, there can be uh, a, a change in the orientation or the object of the Psalm. Yeah. And this follows that same format. And I think that's part of what draws me into it. That's good. I, I agree with you. The last thing that's really great about the song is it's straight up the gospel. I mean, the chorus is just a beautiful reminder of the gospel. And sometimes you just need a very direct reminder in a song. Yeah. You know, and that's great. And if you want to be reminded why you sing the last line of the chorus, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Yeah. And if you read it like that, it might sound a little trite. It is why we're singing. That is why. (laughs) So that's saying to him, (laughs) this is what we're doing. And so even if the language is a little simple, it's very helpful sometimes to have approachable, clear, concise language like this. Mm. Anything that maybe would be a downside to this song, I think to do it a lot, it really requires, I mean, the genre, it's it's sort of like like pop rock. Mm-hmm. genre there's not much you can do with it you couldn't really you can do it acoustic i've done it it's just not the same i mean you need that drum kit going right you need the groove from the bass you need your rhythm section locked in and if you don't have that which i don't always have that you need the synthesizer to yes yes exactly i mean no because anytime i've done that done this song i have not had that I've only ever done this in alternate arrangements. And actually Mm. that's how I do everything. We never produce what we hear. So you make it fit your arrangement. Yeah. And that's normal. And, but if you have everything and you have all the pieces and you want to do that, why not? It's like, that's the way the song was meant to do, do it. I just don't have those resources. I don't have those people. So that's, that's a, it's limited in my opinion, it's limited because it lends itself really to kind of one specific style. Part well, of That's part of why we don't do it. I don't think it fits. But I am dying for more upbeat, exuberant, joyful songs of praise. That and are also like theologically that are true. And yes. true and-, and this one, I think it meets all those categories. So honestly, looking at it, I'm wondering why we don't maybe do this more. So here's what, here's what I expect to happen with this song. It's going to, it's going to feel dated in a few years. Yeah. The style is just, it, you're going to do it and you're going to be like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's uh that's uh the mid 20 teens. Right. Or early 20 teens. That's yeah. what it feels like. There's some earlier Hill song stuff. That's that for me. I'm like, I couldn't imagine a day when I wouldn't want to sing these songs and then I'll go back to them and go, it well, just feels just, like that. So even, I can see that. Even just in the middle of the chorus, you laid down your life. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. syncopated yep. dotted eighth note thing feels very dated the way that the rhythm is. I'm Already it, you're predating it. Oh though. man. Yeah. yeah. It already feels dated. Uh, right, so sing it before it's too late. Cause Jay yeah, just gave Jay. it a timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Jay says it's over. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, there's certain things about it like that, that, I mean, I can nitpick and that's 
that it's not what we're here to do. But there's things like that that I think in a few years you're going to sing it. And you're like, mm, yeah, that feels like uh, early 20 teens. Here's another, uh, just a final thought about the form of this song. I look at bridges really carefully, and I think I've been burned mm-hmm. by bridges in the past. Have you experienced this where there's a song and it has a bridge and you're just like, this bridge is no good. Why is it in here? It's like they just felt like it needed one. They needed one. a bridge. And then I'm like, well, do I throw the whole thing out or do we just not sing the bridge? And then that's weird. With this song, the bridge fits it well. It works. It actually helps to break up. It's not just like this juggernaut that keeps going. The bridge pulls it back a little bit. You don't slow down, but it's space. Yes. Before you go back in and sing that chorus again Mm -hmm. and it helps me enter into the song it's not distracting it actually serves the song well and this could be part of why it's up here i mean i think these songs are well written yeah and it shows because they reach a broad audience well that's this week's episode we hope you were encouraged and challenged by our discussion if you want to reach out to us with any questions or comments about our discussion, comment below or you can send us an email at plainglasspod at gmail.com. We do really appreciate the time that you've taken to go on this journey with us. 